idea. Oh, good morning, everyone. Welcome this morning to Crestview Baptist Church. We're so glad that uh, everyone decided to come join us this morning for our Memorial Day service that we're having as we, uh, as Memorial Day is tomorrow, and we honor the people who've laid down their life. And uh, more importantly than all of that, it is, a, it is a great time to reflect on Jesus Christ who laid down his life for us. But we're just glad we look forward to worshiping with you today. I have quite a few announcements uh, to go through here. So uh, tonight at 6 o'clock, don't forget we're having our picnic by the creek. We have our uh, Boston butts are provided by the church. I believe he said we have six and um, some hush puppies. So if you want to bring, if you can bring sides and I've got slaw too, sauce as well. So all that. And if you want to bring what we want, what we're asking you to bring to share with everyone are sides and desserts and drinks and things of that nature. Uh, you might want to bring your chair. I uh, didn't think we'd need to say this at the end of May the way it is, but you might even want to wear a jacket. I don't know. It's only supposed to be 71 degrees today. So if, you're, if your kids are going to get into the creek, be sure you bring them a blanket because they're going to be screaming their cold all the way home. Or that's probably just mine because they do that anyway. Uh, Wednesday, don't forget, we have our adult Bible study. And this is a last-minute thing. Laura come home and she's like, I told Artie about something. And he said, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, this is because I decided to do it Wednesday because I wanted to do something to celebrate the end of the school year. And so we didn't get to have our kickball game we had a few weeks ago because it was rainy and cool. And I'm hoping the weather's going to cooperate. And if any kids want to come out at 5.30 Wednesday, we're going to play kickball. I'm going to provide something to eat. Um, just some fun. I'll have some sidewalk chalk out for the little ones that want to do that. And the playground will be there. Just And, and then we'll, we'll, we'll end it with a devotion. I always end these fun things. Or, but actually, I learned last time that I'm going to begin these things with a devotion. I learned a hard lesson last time. Um, but we're going to just celebrate the end of the school year and the kickoff to summer. Um, Thursday at 6 o'clock, the Baptist men are having their work day. Uh, they got some things going on. If you could come out to that. And uh, don't forget that first Saturday of the month snuck up on us again. Uh, Saturday is our first Saturday breakfast. So come out and uh, join us for that. Support our... Um, Support our Baptist men and uh, just come out and enjoy that fellowship and that good food that comes along with it. And uh, the last announcement I need to make is June 13th. Don't forget our homecoming celebration is coming up. We will have a covered dish meal to follow that Sunday. And so that is exciting. Like I say every week, I can't say it enough. I'm just excited to get back to some normalcy in our life. Uh, I have Jim, huh? oh, he's going to come up and talk about it. Jim is going to come say something. So, uh, you guys, he's going to share something with you. And then when he gets done, Artie's going to come up and pray. So I hope you guys enjoy the service. Good morning. As he just mentioned, two weeks from now is homecoming Sunday. And immediately after the, the uh, homecoming meal, the finance committee is going to meet and start building the new budget for the new church year. And I wanted everybody to know that if you're a member of House and Grounds or personnel or any of the committees, 
if you have any budget concerns we need to address, get it to us by then. You can give it to me, Bruce uh, Bridges, Linda Allison, Jim Kinder, and Deborah Kahn. We're the five members of the committee. Please write it down so we we'll, won't we'll be trying to remember everything. Just write down what committee it is, what you're wanting, what you, any concerns you may have regarding the, the, uh, the budget. So we can do the best we can and, and try to meet all of our needs. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. I'm glad everybody's here this morning as we have come together to uh, celebrate and honor those that have served our country and have passed as we uh, acknowledge Memorial Day. But I also need to let you, make you aware, in case you uh, don't know about these things, that I ask you to continue to pray for the Murray family. Jerry Murray's uh, mother, Dorothy, passed away last Sunday after the service, and um, her memorial service was yesterday, but continue to pray for the Murray family. Um, as I said yesterday, Jerry's dad, Pine Knot, was the head of the family, but Dorothy was the heart of the family. So please be in prayer for the Murray family uh, this coming week. Also, Ralph Elliott passed away Friday afternoon. And um, his service will be here Sun, or Tuesday morning at 11 o'clock. They'll be receiving friends at 10 a.m. this Tuesday here at the church. Um, so be in prayer for, the, for Joyce and Brooke and the rest of the family as they are um, mourning the loss of Ralph. And then also thank you for your prayers for Ginger's dad, Charlie Douglas. You know, it's just been a couple of weeks since he was here with us. I'm visiting. Well, he had surgery Friday morning to remove one gallstone. And as they were inserting the scope into his throat, they uh, tore his esophagus. And so they immediately stopped the procedure, put him in the in ICU, and started doing scans to see exactly what was going on with him. Luckily enough, because of uh, a little bit of inactivity, he had gotten a little bit pudgy in, a, in his belly. And he was complaining about needing to lose that weight, so he was getting out and playing golf and being active again. But that is, in fact, what saved his life because they found the tear right behind a, pocket of, a, a small pocket of fat, and that had helped seal it up to keep anything from getting in and causing any infection or anything like that, but they were able to go in and um, repair that tear, and they were able to remove his gallbladder, and yesterday afternoon they took him off the ventilator and removed the tube that was in his throat, and he is awake and talking, still a little groggy, still in a little bit of pain, but he is, he is doing very well. Ginger is hoping that they will actually remove him from ICU, today and put him in a regular room, but uh, just continue to pray for him and, and thank you. Also, uh, some of you probably already know, some of you don't, but pray for my daughter Leanne. Um, she has got to get her car fixed. Last night, um, after leaving a family get-together, her and her boyfriend Stefan hit a bear on Maple Springs Church Road, and uh, 
Needless to say, it messed up her little Honda pretty good. It was about a 300-pound bear that she hit, or that he hit. He was driving her car. And, um, but thankfully, we can praise that there was no injuries to either Stefan or Leanne. Um, so uh, we're very thankful for that. But continue to pray for our country. Even though today is not Veterans Day, we have a lot of veterans that are members of our church and attend our church. Tell them thank you today. And then also pray for Jerry and Kim Pendleton. Kim, um, as everyone knows, Kim's been battling cancer. Right now, she is uh, clear from the cancer. She's doing good as far as that goes, but she's having some repercussion of all the, the stuff that is going on, and um, she is continuing to lose weight. So please pray for Kim and, and Jerry um, that God would just strengthen her body and help her recover quickly from, from this battle that she's been going through. And at this time, if you'd please join me in prayer as we begin our time together in worshiping our Lord. Our dear, precious Jesus Christ, Savior and Lord, we come before you. And it's because of you that we're able to come before the almighty throne of God and make our petitions known. It is because of you that we can cry out, Abba, Father. And dear Lord, we thank you so much for that. Dear Lord, we have had loss within our church this past week. We have had health scares. We have had financial issues. But dear Lord, you're still on your throne. And you are still the almighty father. You're the everlasting king. You are the healer of all things. Dear Lord, it is you that takes the broken pieces in men's hearts. It is you that gives us the courage to go day to day. And it is you that gives us the hope to continue in the peace that passes understanding. And we praise you for that today. The Lord, I ask you to be with the Murray family and the Elliott family as they are dealing with the loss of Dorothy and with Ra- of Ralph. Dear Lord, they are absent here, but they are in your presence right now because of their faith in you as their Savior. Dear Lord, I ask you to continue to be with Charlie and Ginger, Pam, and Amy as they are helping their dad right now. Dear Lord, thank you for keeping Stephan and Leanne safe last night. And I ask you to be with Kim and Jerry and Alex. Dear Lord, this has been a long battle, but you've been with them every step of the way. And we ask you to continue to be with them and strengthen Kim's body. Dear Lord, there are so many things that we can praise you for, and there's so many things that we want to lay at your feet. Many of them we cannot speak publicly. 
But dear Lord, the Bible says that when we can't, don't even have the words to say that the Spirit is making utterances on our behalf. And dear Lord, you know our innermost being. You know our, our secret thoughts. And you know us so much better than we know ourselves. You know what we need. Dear Lord, as we come together today to honor those that have fallen, don't let us forget the cost of having what we have, the cost of the freedoms, the sacrifices that have been made on our behalf. And dear Lord, I ask you that as we go throughout this time of worship, that you will close off all outside thoughts, that you would close off all outside ideas, that we would just for this short hour just totally, fully, and wholly concentrate on you. That, dear Lord, that you will speak through me, that you will speak through Sandra and speak through Chad, that we will proclaim the name of Jesus Christ in word and action so that when we leave this place today, that we will know that we have been in the presence of God. And we thank you for the ability to come together. I thank you for those that are watching online that aren't able to be with us today. Dear Lord, I ask you to to move among your people. That you open our hearts, you open our ears. And dear Lord, I pray today that if there is someone here or watching online that does not know you as their personal Savior. Dear Lord, that your Spirit will convict them and they will leave, not leave this place or, or, or turn off their computer until they know you as their personal Savior. Change lives today and use us to do so. And we give you all the honor and praise and glory for everything. And it's in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that we say, Amen. Memorial Day weekend. It is known as a weekend, as a vacation, a time to be off work, a time for cookouts, swim parties, a time to loaf, a time to work in your yard, a time to go shopping on Memorial Day sales. But it's so much more than that. Memorial Day, this is the time when we, as Americans, we grieve and we remember our fallen soldiers. We honor those who were willing to give up their lives so that we can gather here at Crestview today freely. Let our prayer be that we, as Americans, that we'll live in harmony, that what they gave up was not in vain, that we will love each other, live together, and that we will honor these that bravely served our great country, but as a result of their service, they were called home by our Lord. So in honor of these great soldiers, let us stand and say our pledges of allegiance to the American flag, the Christian flag, and to God's holy word, the Bible. 
and then please remain standing as we sing, My Country Tis of Thee. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. And to our Christian flag. I pledge allegiance to the Christian flag and to the Savior, whose kingdom it stands, one brotherhood, uniting all Christians in service and love. And to the Bible. I pledge allegiance to the Bible, God's holy word, and will make it a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path, and hide its words in my heart that I may not sin against God. And now let us sing, My Country Tis of Thee.
and you pick out a toy, you pick out clothes, you pick out something, it has to be paid for, right? You can't just get it and walk out forward. You might not pay for it, but your grandparents or your parents or whoever's with you, they pay for it, right? Yeah. All right, so we have some things that we have that were very expensive, but we didn't have to pay for them. Not, not in the sense. So we get to do fun things, and we get to do things that uh, they don't get to do other places. Like we get to get up on Sunday morning, and we get to come to church openly and worship and praise God. Isn't that awesome? We can do that. We get to we get freedoms of speech. We get to say things without being worried about being thrown in jail because we talk bad about somebody, right? We get. Uh, freedom of assembly. You guys don't know what that means, but people can come together and stand up for a cause without fear of getting in trouble. We have freedoms in our country. But all those freedoms came at a cost. You guys didn't pay that cost. You, we get to enjoy those freedoms. Yeah, but, but those freedoms were paid for. And I did some research well, we're going to get there. Don't get too far ahead of me now. Don't do my job for me. This army's going to kick me out and he's going to put you up here doing my job for me. Um, I look, since 1775, that is when our country, America, that we live in, started fighting to become its own country. Since then, we have had countless people go and fight for our country. It had countless people go and fight for our country. And since 1775, there have been 659,267 people lost their lives in battle for our country. That's not counting people who died of sicknesses and other things. That's people who lost their lives in battle fighting for our country. Isn't that something that all those people paid for the freedoms that we have with their lives? And so that's why we have Memorial Day. We honor the people who laid down their life. <laughs> the people who laid down their life for our freedoms in this country. And also, I want you guys to think about what Mr. Betsy said a while ago. Jesus Christ, he laid down his life on the cross because we are all sinners. You guys know what that means to be sinners? It means we it means we break the rules, right? I break the rules. Preacher Artie breaks the rules. Teddy breaks the rules. Teddy, Teddy breaks the rules. <laughs> we all break the rules. And because we broke rules, there has to be payment for those rules we broke. And Jesus Christ gave his life on the cross to pay for those rules that he broke. Isn't that amazing that he did that? And then he came back on the third day so we could go one day and live forever with him in heaven. So as we, as tomorrow, as you're doing whatever you're doing for Memorial Day, whether you're at home having a cookout, whether you're at the lake, whether you're just sleeping well, whatever it is, Remember the people 
who laid down their life, who, who paid the ultimate price, so we have the freedom to do what we can do. Remember those every day. And uh, more importantly than that, though, remember that Jesus Christ paid the ultimate price so we could be forgiven for our sins. And that's what we're going to talk about a little more when we line up. Faith's going to meet us at the back door, and we're going to go out to the youth. We've got to pray first. <laughs> got to pray first. All right, guys, let's bow our heads and go to the Lord's Prayer. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love. Thank you for Jesus Christ dying for our sins. And we, Lord, we are so grateful for the people throughout history who have given their lives to pay for the freedoms that we have in this great country that you, that you provide for us, Lord. We love you and we praise you, God. Amen. come today to rejoice and reflect. We come to in the 
Thank you, choir. That is always one of my favorite songs in Christ alone. As we remember those that have sacrificed everything for us, I've got a question for you. Do you guys know the words or the term cancel culture? We've heard a lot about cancel culture over the last little bit. I'm going to move this so I don't kill myself. Um, But actually what cancel culture is, it's a form of ostracism. It's nothing new, but it is taking on a whole new life over the last little bit. Basically what it is, 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 is cancel culture, it says that if there is something that you don't like about somebody that they are 
basically pu pushed out of the light they're, 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 that they've done away with, either on social media or in television or movies or, or in personal life, that they're ostracized. But cancel culture seems to take it a step further. It's not just with people. Say that if, uh, if Timothy, my son, does something I don't like, I get rid of him. I put him out of my life. I don't have anything to do with him. I forget about him. But cancel culture says we get rid of everything that we don't want to have to deal with. That's why we're having monuments defaced and taken down. That's why people want to change our history because they don't like it. You know, when the, uh, the old Soviet Union would take over a country, the first thing that they would do is they would erase the history of that country. They would take away the statues and they would erect their own statues. They wanted to erase the, the, or cancel the history, the identity of that, those people and renew it under the Soviet Union. You know, um, Moscow. They changed the name of Moscow when the Soviet Union took over Russia. And they called it Leningrad. And they tore down the statues of the czars and they put up statues of Lenin. That's, the same, that's what cancel culture does. It changes history. I will be the first to tell you that everything that happens in history is not always good. But if we don't remember our past, we will be doomed to repeat it. We have to be reminded of things, whether it's good or bad, to keep us focused on where we're going. I'm not talking about that we're always looking behind us at the past, but we have to learn from it to move forward. Well, God deals with that too. Why do we have Memorial Day in the first place? It's to remember those who made the greatest sacrifice they could make for our country. We have to honor them and remember them. It is more than just a day that we get to take off of school or take off out of work and barbecue or lay around and not do anything. It is more than that. It is a day of remembering and honoring those that have fallen. Well, there's memorials in the Bible. In fact, our table right here, what does it say on the front of it? Do this in remembrance of me. A command from Jesus Christ telling his disciples to celebrate the Lord's Supper in his remembrance. Why do we have baptism? It is a reminder and a remembrance of what Christ did on the cross. We are buried as a symbolic burial and resurrection in the water. Exactly what happened to Christ. It's a memorial of Him. Well, we're going to look at today at a, a, a memorial for future generations. And if you will look in your Bible to Joshua chapter 4, and we're going to look at these verses, but I have to remind you exactly what all is going on here. 
the children of Israel had just been enslaved for many years in Egypt. Moses came. God called Moses through the burning bush. He came and faced down Pharaoh. And you remember there were all these plagues, ten plagues that went through, and he finally told them to get out of, the, get out of Egypt. And they left. But Pharaoh wanted them back, so he chased them down to the Dead Sea. And you remember what happened at the Dead Sea, which is one of my favorite stories. I actually love the one that people try to tell us that it actually happened. It wasn't the, 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 dead, or the Red Sea, that it was the Reed Sea, which is only about yay deep. I love both of them. Both of them are a miracle. The Bible says it was the Red Sea. Scholars say it's the Reed Sea, but I don't know which one's the biggest miracle. See, if it's the Red Sea, the Bible says that as Pharaoh approached, God opened up, told Moses to go stand in the water. And as soon as his feet got there and he raised up his staff, the Red Sea parted. And the entire nation of Israel, the children of God, walked across on dry land. And as soon as the last one got across, here comes Pharaoh's army. And God went, Whoo! and swallowed up the army. But if it was the Reed Sea, that means that all of Pharaoh's army, the army of Egypt with all their horses, chariots, foot soldiers, everything, drowned and disappeared in that much water. But that's what the children of Israel, and they had their ups and downs. Remember they, when Moses was up on Mount Carmel getting the, the Ten Commandments, the commandments of God. He comes down and what do they do? They're, they're, they've taken all their earrings and gold chains and everything and made a golden calf. One of the best lines in the, the whole Bible is when he questioned Aaron who had been left in charge. He says, we just threw the stuff in the fire and it came out looking like this. That's what he says, basically. But they, see, they had their ups and downs. But God was faithful through it all. And, and they had come to the Jordan River after wandering around in this wilderness, a trip that should have taken them seven days. Forty years later, they come to the Jordan River, ready to cross into the, to the Promised Land. And at that time of year, the Jordan River, it wasn't at its lowest point. It was actually at flood stage. So the Bible says that it was overflowing its banks. And God told Joshua, who was the leader of the children of Israel, He says, tell the priest to take the Ark of the Covenant and go stand in the middle of the river. And he told them, and they did it. And I can imagine those priests. They're walking. And they're, do, they're, they're, they're proceeding just like God had told them in Leviticus and, 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 and Numbers and told them exactly what to do and how to carry the ark. And I can imagine that first priest walking up to that flooding river and saying, oh, okay God, I'm trusting you. 
And he takes that first step into that muddy water. And as soon as his foot started down, it landed on dry ground. And they look up and they see the floodwaters of the Jordan River separating. The Bible doesn't say they walked across on damp sand. They didn't walk around along on muddy sand. It says they walked on dry ground. All the way across. And I'm sure, as they're just like in the Red Sea, that as they're walking through and they're looking on both sides of them and there's just a wall of water. And I'm sure there's fish in there going, what are they doing? You know, like you're walking through an aquarium and it's just amazing. But then we get to this part. So if, you, if you'd turn to Joshua chapter 4 and if you would stand as I read this, starting in verse 4. <coughs> Excuse me. It says, So Joshua called the twelve men whom had, who had appointed from the sons of Israel, one man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Cross again to the ark of the Lord your God in the middle of the Jordan. And each of you take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of tribes of the sons of Israel. Let this be a sign among you so that when your children ask later, saying, What do these stones mean? Then you shall say to them, Because of the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord, when it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall become a memorial to the sons of God, or the sons of Israel forever. Let's pray. The Lord bless the reading of your word. Speak through me today and cause us to remember what you have done for us. And it's in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ our Savior we pray. Amen. You see, God wants us to remember. He wants us to remember. You see, the first part, or later in that chapter, where they've actually done this, they have done what God told them to do and what Joshua had told them to do. In Joshua chapter 4, verses 21 through 24, it says, He said to the sons of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in the time to come, saying, What are these stones? Then you shall inform your children, saying, Israel crossed this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed, just as your, the Lord your God had done to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed, that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, so that you may hear the Lord your God, or fear the Lord your God forever. First thing we have to acknowledge is the fact that God wants us to remember what he has done for us. He wants us to remember exactly what God has done for us. See, here, he wanted the children of Israel to remember everything that God had done for them all the way back to Abraham. He wanted them to know about the promises that were fulfilled. He wants them to know about the calling of Moses, about taking them out of Egypt. He wants them to remember about how they cried out and said, we're thirsty, and water poured from the rock. They want him to remember how they said, we're hungry, and he gave them manna. He wants them to, to remember the time that they said, we want something more than manna, so he gave them quail. He wants them to remember 
the giving of the Ten Commandments. He wants them to remember how he led them into victory over great cities, how the walls of Jericho fell flat, and how he led them across the Red Sea and swallowed up the Pharaoh's army that was following them. He wants them to remember everything that he has done for them. So he sets up a memorial, just like we are to remember everything that is done for us, not only by our soldiers and our military, but also what God has done for us. God wants us to remember where he has brought us from. See, this is the danger of cancel culture. We forget where we've been. And when we forget where we've been, we don't appreciate where we are. The whole thing about having a testimony, when, when pe people are being taught how to, to write a testimony or give a testimony, the first thing that, you, that you're told to do is you have to tell people where you come from. And tell them what Jesus did for you and where He has got you now. You see, God wants us to remember those things. This particular group, except for Joshua and Caleb, <laughs> this was a brand new gen generation. In that 40 years, God wiped out an entire generation and replaced them with a new generation. And He wanted them to remember, even though they, don't, they weren't present when they were in Egypt. He wanted them to remember what God had done and where He had brought them from. From slavery, from bondage. And brought them forward and it was giving them their own land. God also wants them, wants us to remember the consequences of our disobedience and our obedience. See, every action, every decision has a consequence. Sometimes good, sometimes bad. But I'm going to tell you as a fact. We don't learn anything unless we have some bad consequences for our actions. As a parent that is, has raised four children and currently working on the last two, I'm going to tell you, you tell them not to touch a hot stove. What's the first thing that child's going to want to do? Touch that hot stove. You've got a choice. You can either let them burn themselves and learn the hard way, or you can smack that little hand and tell them no. Either way, it's going to be painful. I kept telling Timothy when he was young, and a lot smaller, don't run out into the road. Stay away from the road. Look both ways if you cross the road. And it finally got to the point where I had to take him and I had to apply the belt of knowledge to the seat of education. <laughs> Very firmly to get the message across to him because I wanted him to learn a lesson. And as he sat there sounding like I was killing him, I had a conversation with him. 
And I said, what I just did to you hurts right now. But I guarantee you it hurts a lot less than what it would feel like if you got hit by a car. And the pain I feel for seeing you crying and upset is a lot less than the pain that mom and I would feel if you died. We need to remember the consequences of our disobedience so that we know to be obedient. And we need to remember the consequences of our obedience because we have to remember God is faithful to His promises. That's something that we've forgotten in our country. That there is consequences for our actions. That there's pain goes along with disobedience. Right now, What's the worst thing that happens? You get slapped on the wrist and you're, and you're let to go out and do it all over again. There is pain associated with disobedience. And if we forget that, we have forgotten a very important lesson and we cannot change our futures. We will not turn to God if we forget that there's consequences. People say, I don't see how a loving God would send anybody to hell. My loving God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. It is a consequence of our sin. It's a consequence of our choices. He wanted these people to remember the consequences. Why were they out there for 40 years wandering around in a wilderness? It was a consequence of their sin. Of their disobedience. They didn't want to do it God's way. In fact, they got several times they said, oh, I can't believe you led us out here to die. We were better off in slavery. And I'm sure when they said that, Moses just looked at them and said, what? When we forget our past, we remember things quite differently than, than reality. They forgot how they were treated. They were, forgot the beatings of the taskmaster. They forgot all that stuff and all they were thinking about, oh, it was so much better back then. Moses is like, are you talking about the same place I'm, talking, I'm thinking about? No. We have to remember those consequences. And then God wants us to remember His faithfulness in keeping His promises. There's been a lot of promises that I have made and I've not kept. But God, can you guys change the slide please? God wants us to remember His faithfulness. He set this memorial up there on the banks in Gilgal on the banks of the Jordan River where they set their camp for the first night in their promised land. And He wanted them to remember that He fulfilled His promise. You see, He promised Abraham that He would make him the father of a great nation. And He has done that. He promised Moses that He would take them to a land flowing with milk and honey. And He had done that. He promised them that He would never leave them nor forsake them. And every day they were led by a pillar of cloud. And every night they were led by a pillar of fire. Now just think about that. People knew who these people were. They knew who the children of Israel were. 
In fact, we know that because when Rahab the harlot, she's talking to the spies, she says, we knew you guys were coming. We'd heard about you and, what everything, and all the, the victories you had won and what God was doing, and we were scared. They were being talked about. They knew about the God of Israel. They knew how powerful He was and how faithful He was. And God wanted them to remember that. About how He kept His promise that He, he would always be there with them, that He would always protect them. But that was a conditional promise, wasn't it? He said, if you're obedient, then I will do this. And He wanted them to remember he wanted the future generations to be able to be told about God's faithfulness. But I want you to understand something, church, that God wants us to be His memorial. He wants us to be His memorial. See, in Acts 1.8, this is what Luke writes. He says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. See, Joshua set up a memorial of stone. Jesus, after being told to tell his disciples to be quiet, his response was, if they're quiet, the very rocks will cry out about me. Church, the rocks may cry out, but He wants us to cry out. He wants us to be a memorial. He wants us to remember and to remind people what He has done for us. See, God wants us to remind others what He has done for us. He wants us to be able to tell people, listen, this is what my life was like before Christ. And then I met Jesus Christ. And this is what my life is like now. I'm going to tell you something that a lot of preachers won't tell you. The Christian life is not full of butterflies and rainbows. There are mountaintop experiences. There are experiences that will blow you away. But there's also a lot of valleys. A lot of scary times. A lot of sad times. And the only thing that makes it bearable is the fact that God says, I will walk with you every step of the way. That Jesus Christ is with us. Once we accept Him, He indwells us with the Holy Spirit. And He is with us 24-7, 365. He will never leave us. He'll never forget about us. That's why I like that, uh, that poem, Footsteps, or Footprints. Man says that he, he sees two footprints but in the toughest parts of his life, he sees that there's only one, and he asks Jesus why he left him during that time. And he says, my dear child, I didn't leave you. I was carrying you. That's the life of Jesus Christ, with Jesus Christ. And we are to be the memorial to remind people what Christ can do in our lives. God wants us to remind others of where God has brought us from. I know that's not correct English, Paul, so please forgive me. 
But He wants us to remember our past. See, a lot of times, people don't want to remember their old life. But we cannot appreciate what Christ has done for us without remembering the depths of despair He saved us from. A lot of times, church people want to get this little halo and they want to get up there on that pedestal and they want to look down on everybody else and, and be a little bit judgmental. Basically, we do. But church, the, way, the, the distance we have to fall if we continually remember where we came from, that keeps us grounded. That keeps us humble. The fact that, yes, we are sinners, but we are saved by grace. It is only through the mercy of God that we have what we have. That we have forgiveness. That we have, it's not because we deserve it. It's not because we're better than anybody else. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world. It doesn't say that, he, say he, that God so loved only people that just like Artie Hubbard. Or only like Jackie Bridges. Or only people that are like Mike McCrite. It says he so loved the world. Red, yellow, black, and white. All are precious in his sight. You know, I was watching a, uh, a documentary about Mr. Rogers. I loved watching Mr. Rogers when I was a kid. And I was watching this documentary. And, and I sort of remember a little bit about this. But at one point, as he got older, right before he finally canceled his show for good, he got a lot of criticism. People accused him of, of corrupting our children because he was telling them that they were special, that all of them were special. Guys, I'm going to tell you something. We may not act it, but we are special. Every single person that's born is special. Why? Because Jesus died for them, they are worth something. And they are precious in His sight. So yes, they are special. It doesn't matter who they are, where they come from, what they look like. doesn't matter anything. God loves them just the same and Jesus died for them just the same. And He wants us to remember that we were once lost and afraid and alone until Jesus came up and grabbed a hold of us and saved us. We need to remember that. And we need to remind people of that fact. We are not better than anybody else. We need to remind them of what Jesus has done. And God wants us to remind others about the consequences of disobedience and obedience. See, one thing that we've been afraid of is telling people that something's wrong that there are consequences. Bob Ramsey once told us one time on a Wednesday night, he said, preachers don't preach about hell. Church, I'm going to tell you something. Hell is real. And it is the everlasting reward for those that reject Jesus Christ as their Savior. It is real the Bible says it is a place of eternal torment where the worm doesn't die and the fire is never quenched. 
and it is what awaits people for disobedience. But then we also have to tell people about the reward. He wants us to remind people that if we are confess our sins and we're obedient in turning ourselves to Jesus Christ, what awaits us? is the fact that when we close our eyes in death, it is not the end. But the work of the Holy Spirit in us has been made complete, and our salvation has been made complete, and we open our eyes in the presence of Jesus Christ, our Savior. There is a hope that is found in obedience that cannot be found anywhere else. There is a hole that is filled within our lives you see, there's a philosopher that said that, there's a, that we're all created with a Christ-sized vacuum in our hearts, in our souls. And that no matter what we do, we cannot fill those holes. We can't fill it with sex. We can't fill it with, with drugs. We can't fill it with booze. We can't fill it with money. Nothing will completely fill that emptiness, that vacuum in our soul, except one thing, and that is Jesus Christ. And that obedience allows us to be made complete. And then God wants us to remind others about the faithfulness that His promises are kept. See, yesterday at Myth Dorothy's memorial service, being able to stand before the family and tell them that there is a hope because she had her faith in Jesus Christ that she has now been made whole, that she is no longer suffering, she is no longer hurting. Church, being able to do a, few, a service like that is a lot easier on a preacher than doing a service for somebody that you have no idea if they had a relationship. There was no evidence of that relationship with Jesus Christ. But there was evidence with Miss Dorothy. And there is a hope that is found there. And the fact that God is faithful to keep His promises. Remember that promise that Jesus made to the thief, the, the, the thief on the cross? He asked Him to remember Him when He entered His kingdom. And He said, Today, surely, you will be with Me in paradise. Do you think He meant it? Yes, I did. Because he kept that promise just like he kept the other promise. Because three days later, Jesus was alive. He was no longer dead. But he kept the promise. He also promised us that he would never leave us or forsake us. That he had to go away. But he went away to prepare a place for us. And that he would come back and get us. And there's, gonna, there's coming a day when he's going to fulfill that promise. Here is my challenge to you, church. What kind of memorial are you? Do you remind people about the faithfulness of God? Do you remind them about what God and Jesus Christ have done in your life? Do you remind them of the saving grace of Jesus Christ?
Or are you somebody that they just walk past and don't give a second thought to? Just like those stones that were set up there on the banks of the Jordan River in Gilgal. They are set up so that future generations will ask, why is that? Why are, what's the purpose in this? What does that supposed to be? We are to be constant reminders. Just like this day is set aside to honor those that have fallen serving our country. That's what we're supposed to be. Today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you don't know the hope that can only be found in Him, don't leave this place without having done so. I guarantee you, I promise you, it's life-changing. I remember back the day I accepted Christ. I sat in that pew and I was white-knuckling that back of that pew. I was holding on so tight I couldn't stand it. And I was shaking so bad that I, my brother thought I was having a seizure. And all of that went away the moment I went up there and said, Jesus, I can't take it anymore. I'm a sinner and I need you to come into my heart and change me. Please forgive me and save me. And man, it was like the world had been lifted off my shoulders. It's not always been easy, but he has always been faithful. Don't leave here today without knowing that. As we sing this song, please listen to what God is telling you to do right now. Would you stand as we sing our hymn of invitation, number four, to God be the glory, number four. <clears throat>
So uh, thank you for being here today. May God bless you. And I'm going to ask Sandra if she would not mind dismissing us in prayer. Let us pray. Oh, our Heavenly Father, Lord, you are our creator, our protector. You're our friend. You're our savior. You're so many things to us. And we're so thankful for all that you have done for us. Lord, I pray we don't forget, that we never forget how much you love us and what you did give for each of us. We are also thankful for our soldiers, for all those who have given their lives for us as well. And I pray this will be a day of remembrance and that we will never take for granted our freedom. We love you and we praise you and we give you all the honor and glory. For it is Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.